This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. This is Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly slice of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, Olive's food director and podcast host, and this is episode 169. This week, I'm talking to James Wetlow, founder of Cabrito, about why he thinks goat should be on every restaurant menu and about the evolution of Goatoba, a month-long global celebration of this delicious, ethical and sustainable meat. Hi, welcome to the podcast, James Wetlaw. Lovely to see you. Thank you for having me. It's nice to be back. Um, James is the founder of Cabrito, which is a company that supplies restaurants and the public with goat meat. Um, James was previously on the podcast on episode 95 talking about his book, Goat. So as you can tell, he's invested in goat as a subject. <laughs> um, first of all, just just so people can catch up to it, um, what, what is Cabrito and what was the idea behind it, the company? Um, Cabrito is a goat meat company that was founded on the idea to end the waste of the billy goats in the dairy system. Mm. So <clears throat> in any dairy system, you only really require one male, but you require an awful lot of females. Yeah. So that leads, obviously, we all understand basic biology. We all understand you can't milk a male goat, but we also understand that in order to achieve lactation, to get the milk, you require pregnancy. And we all, mm. all understand that pregnancy has a very definite outcome. And yep. we also understand that that outcome will be 50-50 split between males and, and females. Female so into a dairy system, you have all these males born that a farmer looks at and says, well, actually, you're worthless to me. That is particularly true in the UK and in a sort of Western farming mm. uh, environment because we have no cultural history of eating goat in the UK. So up until Cabrito came along, in the overwhelming majority of cases, all those billy goats born onto those dairy farms were euthanized because the farmer couldn't find a market for them. Mm. Supermarkets didn't want to touch them and give them a try and the public wasn't ready to eat them. So they were just killed at birth. So they were just euthanized. You know, and that, and that I mean, I've been talking, as you know, I've been talking yeah, about yeah, this almost yeah, every yeah. day in my life for yeah. almost eight years <laughs> and I still can't get my head around the fact that a whole farming system was predicated on the idea 50% of the animals born onto that farm yeah. would be killed. It's crazy. In any other farming system, in any anywhere in the world, a mortality rate of 50% would shut this that... Be. The, the farmer would go to prison. Yeah. It would shut that farm down and that system would close yeah. and the farmer would go to prison. But we tolerate it because there is a demand for goat milk. And I still find that unbelievable that we allow yeah. that to happen. So Cabrito was, I mean, those are all grand ideas that I didn't have at the time. Cabrito mm. was, I, we started with four goats in a field from a local farmer. He told us about his problem, wanting to get rid of these billy goats. Yeah. I was working at River Cottage at the time. He thought maybe he could find a solution to his problem. I kind of picked it up and run with it. Yeah. So you basically started facilitating farmers who, who had this, um, who had these billy goats and restaurants and the public who wanted to buy the billy goat meat yes. and put them together. Yeah, I mean... The, because you're not providing all of the goats for the... You know, no, we don't farm. You we, don't farm. We don't farm. We're, basically, I'm a goat salesman. I'm a goat yeah. middleman, <laughs> which is... And that sounds like uh, sort of a kind of crass way to describe it, no. but, but, that, but that person has never existed. Yeah. So there wasn't the link between the market and the farms. And farms, farmers are busy people. Mm. And, you know, what I did was... Living in Devon, I would feel the like go to the slaughterhouse, pick the goats up, and drive them up to London. Farmers don't have the time to do that, no. and the 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 
advantage that I had was that I'd worked in that London restaurant industry and understood it yeah. and knew the the chef language and was able to, you know, build those relationships with chefs yeah. who had an interest. And I think key to all of this is that chefs are now more interested in sustainability than they ever have yeah, been. Yeah, absolutely. When I first started 20 years ago, your uh, meat supplier was an answering machine that yeah. you'd call at 11 o'clock at night and leave a message and it would turn up the next day with a driver before you got there and you'd never see them. Yeah. Now, I am a phone number in, you know, 100 chefs around the country, Absolutely. probably under Goatman rather than James. Yeah. And that is, you can duplicate that with pigs. There's a lot of people who have their individual pork breeders. Mm. You know, farmer Tom Jones, who is the guy that has brought Dexter and well-aged beef and, mm. you know, back in, from his farm in Wales back into sort of our, our farming system. All that stuff has been driven by small suppliers and their relationships with chefs. And that, for me, is is one of the key relationships that is changing food now. Because the knock-on effect from that is that all these food developers, and I know quite a few of them because we're working with some with goat, they go and eat at the restaurants that have goat in it. Yeah. And they go and eat at the restaurants that have Dexter in it. And they go and eat at the restaurants that have, you know, uh, calves liver and those kind of things and think, oh, we need to get this back onto get this back into the supermarkets because obviously there's a design for it. So yeah. the so the the entire sort of food system is being shaped, I think, by chefs and suppliers in a really significant way. Yeah. And I mean, is that because I think the last time we talked was it was over a year ago, wasn't it? Yeah. When your book came out. What if what changes have you seen? And because it seems like things have just speeded up a bit, certainly in the restaurant side of things. Yeah, I mean, I suppose. I mean, when we first started, there wasn't anybody selling goat meat. Very, that's not 100% true. There's very little goat meat being sold in restaurants in the UK, sort of the modern European restaurants that we supply. Yeah. Mary Holbrook used to, I mean, I cooked some of Mary Holbrook's goats and she would turn up at the Eagle with a goat and give it to you and walk out before you had a chance to disagree, <laughs> which is very Mary Holbrook. And she will be greatly missed in British food. Um, and so there were some goats, but there was no centralization of, of the of the rearing system. There no. was no regular supply. There was no real quality control on the meat side for mm. the goats. Um, and what we've done is bring is bring that together. And what that centralization and sort of the professionalization of the farming of goats yeah. has meant that you can then you then have the supply and you have the sort of the BRC certificates and the, you know, the sort of levels that you need in order to supply large multiple retailers and food service. Yeah. Because we've now got, we now sell enough goat to work with bigger operators who have these licenses, which means we can go to people like Bid Food or we can go to Waitrose or we can yeah. go to Ocado and say, we have, you know, now That's we can amazing, we can supply yeah. you both the amount you need and to the quality and safety levels that you require. See, yeah. I, you know, I don't, I could turn up at the back door of a restaurant yeah, of course. with a goat in the back of a refrigerated <laughs> van and stick yeah. it onto their stick it into their fridge and they can sell it. You have to jump through a lot of regulatory hoops in order mm. to supply supermarkets. Exactly. And you have to be a certain size in order to do that. And yeah. now we have achieved that size, we can do those things. So that's come on huge amounts since since we last spoke. Yes, it has. Yeah. Yeah, it has. And part of that is because we now work um Delamere, one of the two large dairy goat dairy oh, yeah, organizations in the UK, yeah, yeah. well, they bought some of Cabrito okay. and just basically turned us from, they, on board. they turned us from me being a bit of a cowboy in a van yeah. into a sort of semi-professional <laughs> outfit, you know, and, that, and to their, and I think it's to their enormous credit because yeah. throughout the history of dairy production, people have turned a blind eye to this. To it, yeah. And what Delamere have done is said, we recognize this is a existential threat to our industry yeah and we it, it needs to change and I, I had a great story with the with the um managing director of yeah. of delamere he said to me we have sustainability written on our wall 
you know, as one of the goals of the company. And we yeah. can't do, we can't, we can't aspire to that no. if we're allowing this to happen. So they have seen the the contradiction in their in their goals and have embraced it. And I think that is really to their credit. It's amazing and, that a big company like that gets on board. Yeah. Because that's going to yeah. change the way. Well, it's changed my life a yeah. lot because, you know, now you're no I longer, have, you're still driving around in your van though. You I'm came not, to though. I'm not, you? no. I'm just, what about that day you came to deliver me some coats? I know. Well, they, those <laughs> days are over now. Well, short term at least. Yeah. But the thing, you know, they. But that's that is that's also a good thing for various for sure. reasons. Well, not Dave, just for first you. board meeting. Yeah. The first board meeting, uh, he said, "Can I have a, can I have a cash flow forecast and a and a, and a, a set of accounts, please?" I was like, uh, <laughs> uh, "Yeah, okay." And that, so you get because you've got to a certain size, yeah, and course. this is kind of what you hope small businesses do. They yeah. they have a good idea. The person that runs it makes it a success somebody comes along to support it yeah. and sort of professionalizes it. And that's kind of where we are now. Which and, norm- is... and normalizes it as well, because yes. before it was, it felt very neat. It felt like a, a brilliant idea, but an idea that felt quite niche. At it the still time. is. I mean, it's, and it still is. But you said the good thing is you've got the champion, champion chefs, you know, who are championing the meat yeah. and, and they're the, because they're the tastemakers and people are looking up to them. We ride in their coattails, yeah, as absolutely. all suppliers do. Yeah. I mean, we can we can make the best product possible. If you give it to somebody who is, you know, doesn't know how to cook it, yeah. it's not going to turn out that great. Yeah. We make the best product we can. We give it to guys that got so much talent. And mm. they, the one of one of the great things, one of the things that I've always enjoyed most about my job, having been a chef in the past, is mm. is. Seeing what people do with See it. See what they do yeah, with And you've like, yeah. you've got the Good Egg in Soho now doing the shawarma on a flatbread. Yeah. It's amazing. I keep seeing it popping up everywhere yeah. in my feed. It just keeps coming up. So-and-so's doing this. We can talk about some of them later. Tell, tell us about Gotoba because that some, that's something that's happening it's in the next few It's something else weeks. that got completely out of control. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, these these it kind of feels like uh, a good idea yeah. that with a really silly name, but it's quite easy to grasp the concept. So yeah. it's not my idea. No. Um, it came from a company called Heritage Foods in the US, okay. who um, kind of the last bastion of well-produced meat in the in the US. They yeah. they have uh, non-GM pork. Oh, really? They have the last turkeys that can breed naturally because wow. they're not so manipulated that they can't stand up. I actually first heard about them in when I read Eating Animals by Jonathan Saffron yes. Fur, and he actually cites. Heritage Foods is one of the few places he would buy meat from because he knows it's ethically reared yeah. and well and well looked after. Um, so I, I, they were kind of in my background knowledge, and then sort of doing a bit of research, sort of about what's going on in the world of goats. We found this idea of Goatober. Heritage Foods at the time, their sales director was a woman called Erin Fairbanks, okay. and she had been up to uh, the sort of the Vermont sort of New England area and met loads of small cheese producers yeah. and had found out about the Billy problem. And these cheese producers were saying, look, we don't, we want to find a market for these. We don't want to kill them. So Ellen came up with this idea that during the month of October, and October is crucial because in a normal natural kidding system, you will, the kids will be born in March and April, March. and they will, six months later, they're fat enough to eat, which yeah. would be October. Erin okay. came up with the idea of selling these goats into the New York restaurants where, where Heritage Foods had this market. Yeah. And she came up with the idea of October. So she said, we will deliver you one goat a week to lots of restaurants in the Manhattan and Brooklyn area, and you guys can you know, try and solve this problem. Some of our small cheesemakers. So four years ago, we, I mean... 
Hannah. That was 2011, wasn't it? When that, that was 2011. So four years ago, I was yeah. having a conversation with Hannah, who runs all our PR. Yeah. It was like late night telephone conversation. There's this thing called Goattober. What do you think? She's like, let's do it. Like, and that was the push I needed. So as much as this is my thing, it's kind of Hannah's thing yeah. as well. So uh, she said, let's do it. So we had one event at the Jugged Hair. Yeah. Where we got, I pulled in a load of favors from chefs that I knew who came and cooked, and it was a good fun, good night. We got a couple of people to do the more traditional, put the goat on the menu for October. And now we have events in New York, Melbourne, all across Europe. Um, we have, I mean, it's just gone, it's gone absolutely bonkers. So have you connected with the people in New York and Melbourne? I yeah. Mean, so last year was the first time that we'd. So I, obviously, when we took this idea of Gotober, yeah. I got in contact with Heritage Food and said, do you okay. mind if we steal your idea? And they were yeah. like, no, of course I'll not. Do it, yeah. So, but last year was the first time that we actually did an event together. So I went over to Brooklyn and we did an event in Claro with TJ Steele and we did an event uh, in Manhattan and a few other events just with the Heritage Food team. Yeah. And the year before, and we also been working with the Food Heroes Project, which is a, which is a, uh, pro- a government, an EU-funded project to try and end the waste in the food system, and one in Europe. And one of the one of the uh, categories that they found was the billy goat. We think we got it bad here. We euthanize about seventy thousand billy goats a year in 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 the, in, uh, the Netherlands. They euthanize about three hundred fifty thousand. In France, they euthanize about a million. So you know, across Europe, there's about two million goats being euthanized. So it's a big problem that we need to solve. The Food Heroes Project was put together to try and tackle that. Yeah. They found out about Gotober and we um, uh, and we sort of worked a little bit with them to try and set up some sort of pilot projects. Mm-hmm. And we've got 50 goats being reared to our spec in the Netherlands at the moment, which is kind of a way of changing their system to suit ours because the carcasses are better under our system. So that's quite complicated. But yeah. the but the, the the overall sort of overarching idea is that we have goat Toba events in France. We've got three different regions of France doing it. We've got uh, a couple of events in in the Netherlands. We've got events in Germany. Uh, we've got a couple of events in Belgium as well as Ireland. Um, so the idea of Gotoba has has been picked up by people who want to find a solution to the yeah. Billy Goat problem. That's brilliant. But wider than that, it's also been picked up by um, there's now Gotoba Trinidad and Tobago, and there's Gotoba happening in Australia as well. Fantastic. Wow. And they're and they're kind of the, it's it's under the Gotoba banner, but the idea has been moulded to suit the problems that they have. So. Okay. So it's flexible. In Australia, there's a lot of goat meat producers who want to create an internal market in goat meat. Now, they don't have a sophisticated commercial dairy system because the population is big enough to support it. What they do have is a lot of small producers who have the same problem as the ones in New England, which the idea was started for. They want to popularize Goatoba. And there's also a lot of uh, free-range sort of rangeland goats, which are decimating the countryside in yeah. you know in, in in parts of Australia that they that they quite like to create an internal market for yeah and that's kind of what the Gotoba banner is being used for yeah. there and then in Trinidad and Tobago there is a totally different set of um <laughs> a totally different set of problems yeah. and Trinidad's a really interesting case and for me it's a really um it's a really beautiful way of, of this being a solution to a problem so Trinidad is an island of 1.4 million people right? okay it's quite big but it's the ninth biggest consumer of goat meat in the world wow which means and it, I mean that is an extraordinary statistic yeah. given that you know it's, they, they eat more than Saudi Arabia and it's like a tenth of the size so the the trouble with that is they import 90% of their goat meat and it, oh. most of it is and so what we're going to try and use Goatoba to do is to is to popularize Trinidad home reared 
goat yeah. and sort of bring the reliance down on the imported, imported goat yeah. and the imported goat meat so that money stays in the country which is Fantastic. an idea that we've stolen from farm africa yeah. <laughs> so which is basically find a find a thing that yeah. you can produce yourself that you're currently importing give you the tools to do it and then build that up yeah. and that money will stay in the country yeah. so you know with like we're going to play around with the tagline you know why pay an australian farm when you can pay a trinidad one yeah. you know for a product that is as good or better so there are different ways in which goatober is being used but all of it is about popularizing goat mm. meat and solving the billy goat problem and you know we originally it was to do with the dairy billies but it's kind of spread out from that now we work on the theory that you know a rising tide lifts all boats yeah. so if there are breeders out there that aren't necessarily joining in with taking their goats from the billy from the from the billy uh, from the dairies and yeah. trying to solve the billy problem, they're quite welcome to use the Goat Tober name to have a goat meat event because yeah. they will be supplying a lot of people that have never tried it before. And the more people there are eating it, the better it is. And eventually, the billy goat problem will be solved. That it's way. open to everybody. And yeah, ultimately flexible. It just sounds like because sustainability is such a huge catchword at the minute, isn't sure. it? And it, and that that's at the, the the heart of everything you've just said. And the thing about the way goat is farmed, if you're talking about those large commercial dairy industry, that large commercial dairy industry, then you've got goats that are going to be euthanized. Obviously, yeah. it's a more sustainable solution to keep them alive. If you're talking about something like Trinidad, you're yeah. talking about farming on a really small, small scale, scale, which is much more sustainable anyway. Mm. So you're talking about more goat farmers keeping selling more of their own goat meat, which is a much more sustainable way than relying on chicken that is factory yeah. farmed. And a lot of the stuff that you eat across the US is not, especially with chicken, is not particularly well reared. So tell us some of the things that, that are going to be happening in Gotoba, like how people, what, what can people go and do? Well, the big, change this, the, the big change this year is that we've got the carousel in Marylebone, which oh. is kind of a, a restaurant that, that, that invites guest chefs like guest to come. Chefs, yeah. yeah, so we're doing um, Gotoba at the carousel, mm -hmm. which is an event that will stand without me because a lot of the goats all the Gotober stuff so far has featured me and it needs if for, in order for it to grow it yeah. needs to have more than just me at the centre of it so <laughs> you can't do everything <laughs> yeah and also I I understand that people could be quite cynical about that kind of thing yeah. and think well this is just a big publicity stunt for James and his company and really it's not about that it's about trying I'm just a PR <laughs> I think man any, I think anyone who met you wouldn't wouldn't think that well th I, that's very kind but I do you know you try I try and try and be anti anti-cynical yeah, if you can yeah yeah so the so the the Carousel, we have invited three chefs from all over the world uh, to come to the carousel and each cook for a week. So it'll run from Tuesday to Saturday. And the first is TJ from Brooklyn. Um, he's probably the best Mexican chef in the US at the moment. Wow. And he is, he run his his place, uh, his restaurant Claro in Brooklyn yeah. on a Michelin star within two weeks, three, <laughs> three months of opening. And uh, he's an extraordinary cook yeah. who has formed a cooperative in Oaxaca where he lives part-time to grow all of the corn, that, that he, all of the farming produce that he uses in Claro yeah. is grown by a cooperative that he set up in Mexico. He's also set up a cooperative to produce his own tequila brand. Yeah. I mean, he's, he is, he is, <laughs> I mean, he lives, he lives, he lives it, he cooks it. He yeah. is, you know, he is the real thing. And we're, I mean, I'm amazed. I look at what we've managed to achieve with, with carousel and think, I can't believe we've done that. Um, the second person to come over is a guy called Jesse Gurner, who's got five restaurants in Melbourne who is doing Gotoba in Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, and he he's lived and worked in London before. He was chef at River Cafe for a long time. Really talented, lovely guy who is at the forefront of kind of... When I was in Australia a few months ago, it was, it was really clear to me that the Australian cooks, chefs, people in food were trying to identify what is indigenous 
Australian food. Oh, okay. And indigenous Australian food obviously has pretty dark history because yeah. the Aborigines were basically wiped out in what was essentially a Holocaust. But I mean, anybody listening to this podcast, if they want to understand Australia, yeah. read Dark Emu. It is the most amazing book that I read in one sitting. And it's mm. it changed. It's the most heartbreaking and fascinating tale about how the, how the Aborigines were at the time that they were discovered by the Westerners. Anyway, that's kind of getting off the point. But a lot of that, that was such an influential book mm. that a lot of chefs read it and thought, you know what, we're just cooking European food. Yeah. What is it that we can cook that is truly oh, Australian? Yeah. So Jesse works with a lot of suppliers who are doing what we have done in the UK in the last 20 years, kind of rediscover what we're really good at away from that sort of post-war industrialization of the food process, which is kind of what Cabritos comes out. Yeah. So he's at the forefront of all of that. He's Really, I'm really excited that he's coming because he, he's also just a really lovely bloke who wants to support <laughs> that stuff. And it's, you know, and that and there are relationships that we can build in Australia to help sort of go to over 2020 throughout Australia Brilliant. with Jesse. Yeah. Um, and the last is Henrik Dierendog, who's got a Michelin star restaurant in Newport in uh, Belgium uh, called Carcass. Okay. And Henrik is basically the best butcher in the world. Wow. There's no, I mean, he does things. I had a conversation with him a few months ago when I was over there doing a goat demonstration. He said, the way you have to, the way that you, to understand how we think about yeah. meat production, you have to think about it in terms of uh, terroir, like a, like a, like a winemaker Wine, yeah. and affonage, like a cheese monger. Oh, wow. So there are two processes in it. The first yeah. process is what do you feed them? How do you treat them? How do you tend to them? Yeah. How do you respect them? How do you love them? How do you get the best out of them? The second is once the animal is dead and it's in the and it's in the aging yeah. room, how do you turn that thing into the best it can be? And he it's a really fascinating story about how he found this stuff out is that he moved premises and everyone had said to him, Your beef isn't as good as it used to be. What's going on? And he like worked out that <laughs> what had happened during the time when he was at the old place is yeah. that his door to his like would be opened 15, 20 times a day. And it would oh, affect so the, the temperature, temperature inside yeah. the fridge. So he worked out what would happen when you opened that side, what would happen to the <laughs> humidity and the temperature in the room, and what would happen when the door was closed, when everyone went home at five o'clock, what the temperature would be like in there. And he's worked all this out, working with the University of Bruges, about mm -hmm. how this then affects the, the cultures that grow in the meat, yeah. which is the thing that so, provides the aging yeah, yeah, process. Yeah. So, And that is, I mean, it's an extraordinary level of detail. Yeah, the level of detail is crazy. But the, but the, but the result, but the result yeah. is unbelievable. Fuck. So he's... I. I delivered to him yesterday. I didn't, but my, our driver did. Delivered to him in Belgium yesterday where he took some legs for curing and he's taken some goat blood to make some uh, some goat black pudding. And then he's going to bring that over. And, and he's going to bring that over. I mean, so the the all of the people that we're that we're bringing yeah. kind of are so signed up. they're bringing up. all different things as well, aren't they? Different they're bringing angles. their own skills yeah. and their yeah. own, and also a kind of breadth of cooking yeah. in terms like Mexican and sort of modern Australian, which is like an interesting concept. Mm. And the sort of meat mastery of of Henry, but they all share that kind of sustainability, mm. that kind of the ethics of food are kind of, of woven into what they produce, yeah. which is what in the end, Goatober is at one end about um, um, a, a blatant marketing tool for goat meat. But at the other end, it's like, well, the reason we're doing this is because we need a sustainable farming system. Mm. So it's kind of all those things rolled into one. And I really feel that those three people are going to speak those values yeah. through the food that they do. Stick around to hear more from James about Gotoba. And then, and then aside from that, I think there's there's stuff going on in the rest of the country. Yeah, October there is. As well, We've there? got um, 
We're going to Ziana Headworth up in Newcastle. He's just her book. My town. Her, the book. Where have you been? <laughs> She's a serious I'm not. Talent. I'm not. She had a shipping container and oh. turned it into a restaurant. She's very much like Fergus Henderson. Right. She was an architect student who okay. just thought, I don't want to do this anymore. Cook. So she, so she went down and did some stages in London yeah. and came back and got a shipping container and parked it in Newcastle and turned it is into it a... Is it the Truckle? Is it? No. No. The one that's on the... Newsburn? Oh, to Newsburn. Yeah, yeah. And What's it called? It's called The Cookhouse. The Cookhouse. Oh, but yeah. Recently, she crowdfunded her yeah. own restaurant. And I I met her a couple of times. I met her at the... the um, at the School of Artisan Food first yeah, time where she did school, a yeah. talk there. And I met her when I met her at she did some of the filming for uh in a thing that we did on TV. Yeah. So I met her I've met her twice. And I the thing about Anna is she's self-taught. She's really clever. Yeah. The but the thing that I respect in her and see in her is that every region needs somebody to 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 talk about and to and to big up what their region can Champion do. Champion their region. And she yeah. is brilliant at it. Yeah, she's, I mean, she's like, she's got a, a, a like a city garden that, yeah. that she grows a Fantastic. lot of the stuff. That, and she's amazing. And she's, and because she's not chef trained, yeah. it's really accessible. Thinking about it in a different way. Yeah. Well. And I mean, yeah. I, when we wrote, when we wrote Goat, we were like, this can't be a, this can't be a chefy book. No. You need it to be as accessible as possible. They're so dry, those chefy books yeah, as well. And, and I mean, literally can't I've, even. Yeah. And I've got loads of them and I've <laughs> yeah. never cooked for them. But you open Nana's and it's like, this, oh, this is... Suddenly, yeah. This is so, like, I've just bumped into somebody. And they're a, telling me how to do yeah, it. Yeah, I've just yeah. bumped into somebody in the greengrocer and they've gone, yeah. oh, I'll just cook this. And yeah. you can read it like that. Yeah. So it's and that's so I'm really excited to do some stuff with her. There's a there's a great little producer up there that we're going to use. Uh, the Northumberland Goat Company. Nice. Um, so we've got that. We've got um, we've got the Carcass Cartel event at Native, yeah. which we all put, put put together yesterday. Which is me. Oh no, I'm not there. Um, uh, it's um, <laughs> the thing about the Carcass Cartel yeah. is that they're very much about nose to tail. I mean, this is something that people are talking about a lot more now. Yeah. You can't just eat the steak bit, of course. You know, because what happens to the rest of the animal? Yeah. So the so there, there's that in it, but also we're going to have the Billy Tannery who make leather products yeah. from the stuff that we make. They're going to, they're going to be hosting it. And we're also going to have Delamere are going to supply some of the cheese and the dairy products that go into the menu. Oh, so it will actually be, everything. it will yeah. actually be the full appreciation of the entire animal. animal. There'll be the yeah. milk, the meat and the leather. And I think that's unique. I don't yeah, think anyone's done really that before. Unique. So that's a really exciting event that we're doing. So when can people, is there a website where people can go to, to find the listings of oh, this stuff? fancy new Goatober website, oh. www.goatober.com. <laughs> and I, you have no idea how expensive tons that was. Of <laughs> <laughs> You're getting a one word from GoDaddy. So people Man, can check expensive. whether there's something happening in their area yeah, in that um, month. Even if, even if their area is North America or if their, if yeah. their area is Melbourne or yep. if their area is... Belgium. We have a, we have some European and American and Australian listeners. Well, so. <laughs> there are events all over the there are events all over the world. Yeah. Can I just um, catch up with you about your book, Goat Cooking and Eating, which is where I first became aware of you? Um, and you won the James Beard Foundation Award for the best single subject book. I mean, that is massive. I, know. I was so <laughs> thrilled for you. I, I know. Like, <laughs> it, I. I the only thing I wanted out of writing the book yeah. was to was to be quite proud of it when it was yeah. done, you know. And I and if and if and I just thought, you know, we've done it. It was a it was a real privilege to be asked to do it, and yeah. it was a great experience. And I'm proud of how it turned out. And anything on top of that is unbelievable. I mean, even if it sold no copies, I'd still be quite proud of it because mm -hmm. I wrote it. 
But to do that and to win the Guild of Food Writers Award as well, it's yeah. just, I mean, it's unbelievable. And I, I can't, I can't, I, I, I don't, I don't know what to say. Yeah. I, I'm genuinely, I still have not worked out how I think about it other than it's just like it happened to somebody else. Yeah. I think they saw like the, the story and the passion in the book and the way that you'd managed to translate it into something that was understandable by people. Like you said, it wasn't Chef Your Recipes, the whole story of the goat, the, whole, the, the way you went into the history of how goat is used in other countries. Because yeah. where, where the one, you know, the, the West is one of the places where goat's just not really, or definitely Britain, we're not, we haven't got the history of it. Whereas in other countries, that that's what they eat, like, day in day out so it was yeah. just a really fascinating story Thank you know you. i mean it was it, it was yeah i don't i didn't have any expectations of it do you think things have happened off the back of that i mean your visibility your yeah thing. for sure i mean for sure you get asked to do things and doors open for you that weren't open before because yeah. i think <clears throat> you know people people take you a bit more seriously yeah. maybe and that and i don't know i mean I, I didn't go to the ceremony and Emily from Emily from Heritage Foods, who's yeah. become a friend who I've worked with on the Goatober project, because it's quite a posh do. Yeah. I said to her, do you want to go? Because I've got a free ticket. So you go. And she's like, yeah, I'll go. And the day before she texted me and said, do you want to write a speech in case you win? I was like, I'm not going to win. I'd be daft. I'm not going to win. <laughs> so you didn't go because you didn't I think I didn't go because I wasn't going to win. And I still, I still, still right, I'm not going to win. How gutted are you that you didn't go? Oh, uh, well, I kind of, but <laughs> Emily was... Like Emily said that she was there about 8.30 yeah. and like there's loads of booze on the table. She said, I stayed sober just in case she didn't, just in case she won. And she said, and I, the thing, and I heard your name yeah, and then I heard you'd won and I just sat there like for three minutes going, what am I going to do? And everyone at the table said, Emily, you've got to go up, you've got to go up, you've got to go up. Yeah. So she walked up onto the stage. Tara Banks gave her the award. No. And she, she said she turned around and suddenly there's 850 people in the room all in ball dresses and stuff and she's expected to do a speech. And, <laughs> you, and it was all filmed on, YouTube, on Twitter. So I ended up seeing it and she just walked up to the microphone and went, <laughs> I'm going to kill him when I see him. He said he wouldn't win. <laughs> and I thought that is exactly the response that you needed. Perfect. So although I didn't go and I was really disappointed, I was like, not disappointed, but I was like, I thought to myself, oh, I probably should have gone. The fact that Emily went and got it for me and yeah. that, that she had that response to it, I'm really pleased that that happened. And she must have been thrilled for you as well. Yeah, I think then she got really drunk. So. Yeah. <laughs> She's I should enough. hope so. <laughs> yeah. so. So what's next for Cabrito? What's next for you? What's... Uh, well, I mean, I've still got a few more. Uh, I'm doing Ludlow this weekend, yeah. doing Ludlow Food Festival. And then we're going to Bra in Piedmont for the Slow Food Cheese. Oh, nice. So the cheese festival is held in yeah. Piedmont, in Bra in Piedmont, where the Slow Food University is every other year. Um, Heritage Foods have good connections with the Slow Food. So they've set us up doing a dinner where we're just going to try and get all these cheese producers from all over nice. the world, put them in a room, feed them goat meat and say, you guys need to be helping us more. Yeah. This is how you can do it. Basically bang some heads together over some yeah, food. Yeah, yeah. Get them, get them involved by sharing it with them, you know. Yeah. So then they can go and tell other people it's the best way to do it. Yeah, and also we can make some introductions. So yeah. we've got um, Interbev, who are the large overarching marketing uh, group that work with the French farming unions. Mm. They're coming. Um, That's great. Which is, I mean, they euthanize a million goats in France. And it's not just that they euthanize a million goats in France, they shouldn't be doing it. That represents a massive opportunity. Yeah, it's you keep, huge. You've yeah. got a thousand, you've got a million animals you could then put into the food system and sell at a profit. Yeah. You know, that is an opportunity for Interbev. And they yeah. see that as well as solving this massive problem. They also see a big opportunity to increase the revenue of their members. Mm. So they're going to come, we're going to sort of bang some heads together there. And then... 
Uh, and then I'm going to have a day off at the cheese festival. <laughs> Just eat loads of cheese. And me and my partner are going without the children. So yeah. it's like a proper little one day holiday, which is a nice. one day holiday. Yeah. I love it. Uh, and then I come back and then obviously go to starts. And yeah. I'm, I'm going, I'm doing... We're going back to Trinidad. I was in Trinidad earlier this year. We're going back to Trinidad to do nice. Gotober TNT. Uh, we're, I'm going to New York and uh, to Chicago. We've got an event in Chicago as nice. well. Got events all over the UK. Yeah. Got an event uh, with Joris Benderdek um, from Amsterdam at Circle. He's been a big supporter of Gotober. Uh, and we've got this press launch in Paris, which will involve Interbev and all the, all the press French journalists to try and launch Gotoba yeah. sort of amongst the journalists to get them talking about it and then get next, it growing year on year so it becomes yeah. more and more <clears throat> yeah and it, you know a, cer- a certain amount of it is allow it to be organic the thing that we've done that I think we've done really well is not to be precious over it yeah. and allow people to take it and use it because had we have said well no to you and maybe yes to you like, yeah. it would have it would have slowed everything down but the idea is if you are a goat producer or a supplier of any kind, mm. you can email the website, you can email through the website, you can connect with us, we'll give you the tools that you need and we'll publicize your it's event fantastic. online. And we're just trying to grow this community of producers yeah. across the world. Yeah. And that will involve some big players like Meat and Livestock Australia and it will involve some big players like Interbev who are yeah. both multi-billion dollar and euro companies. Mm. But it will also involve very small livestock very small uh livestock smallholders in rural wisconsin who do a, involved, yeah. you know we've got some people mm. out in rural, we've got um rolling acres who are going to do a couple of small events around in the sort of wisconsin countryside and they're going to you know they're going to sell three or four goats but it it works on both it works yeah. at one end and at the other the end, end and everything in between that's what's great about it so, yeah. and if people <clears throat> if people want to try goat for themselves um I've I've had quite a lot of your goat and I think people would be surprised because if if your previous um interaction with goat is maybe you have quite an old like a, a goat curry or something, yeah. but it's it it probably wasn't made using kid goat. Um yeah. but your your goat's actually quite it's quite mild in flavour, I'd say. It's not as I, I mean, it's not as it's gamier than lamb, but it's not like I wouldn't say it was like a shocking flavour. It's sort of that's nice of you to say. Yes. No, but you know, you know what I, you know <laughs> I, what do, I mean, yeah, don't I do, you? Really as good. in, it's not like yeah. I think people have got this perception of goat. It's, it's greasy. 100%. There's loads of bones in it. It's yeah. a bit stringy, but it's absolutely the opposite. But that goes of that. back to what I was saying at the beginning yeah. about there never being any effort being put no. into the into the into the husbandry of these animals. Yeah. And, and what we've done through the work that we've done is kind of standardise the output, works on the diets. We've had a lot of help from the farmers to yeah. try and make the animals as good as they can be. Yeah. And if you do that, then you you eliminate an awful lot of those yeah. problems. And it's actually quite elite. I mean, certain cuts of it are quite lean. Yeah, half it's... the fat skin chicken. I mean, it is, yeah. it is very good for you yeah. in, well, I don't really like using the terms good or bad in food because it's a bit... But if you're, yeah, if you're going to... It's high in iron, high in protein, low in fat. I mean... Yeah. It's, these are the things that matter. And it is available still on your website as yeah. um, mail order. Yeah, right? it is. Yeah. yeah, we do uh, day one for day three delivery. So if yeah. you order by six o'clock in the evening on a Monday, you'll have it by Wednesday. And that's cabrito.co.uk? That's right, yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, if you want to check out James's book, it's called Goat Cooking and Eating, um, James Wetlaw. Um, and yeah, um, gotoba.co.uk. Gotoba.com. Sorry, Gotoba.com. The dot com was really expensive. (laughs) For the the extra expense for the listings of all the activities that are going on in October. Wherever you are in the world, yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much for coming to speak to us today, James. That was brilliant. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. 
So that was the Olive Magazine podcast. If you liked this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to find out more information on things in this episode, you can visit our website, olivemagazine.com. You can still pick up a copy of our September issue on the newsstand now, or go and download the app version. Bye for now, and we'll be back next week with more food and drink chat.